Welcome to Christ in Context, a podcast dedicated to seeing Christ in every context of Scripture for His exaltation in the Church and proclamation to the world. This podcast is a part of the Doctrinal Discipleship Ministry and a proud member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Christ in Context. My name is Kevin, your host, and today we are starting a new mini-series, which I am super, super excited about. It's something that I am actually pretty passionate about because it's something that I was deeply involved with and um, something that I really care about people getting out of and not involved with anymore. Um, So this little mini-series is about the Word of Faith movement. And so you probably have already heard my testimony or at least allusions to it. And in the very first episode of this podcast, I shared my whole testimony about how I got saved. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time specifically with that. But um, I did get saved um, going into my sophomore year of high school, and it was, at that point, just a non-denominational megachurch. There's a couple campuses. I'm not going to say the name of the church because I don't want this to sound in any way at all, not even in the slightest, as if I were slandering anyone or slandering this church or slandering people who are a part of this bigger movement, because that is in no way a Christian virtue, and it is also in no way um, my hope for how people would hear this um, type of content. And so, um, what is going to be happening is this first episode, I am joined with a really, really good friend of mine who I met at this uh, church when I got saved, he was actually like my first friend at church, like my Aww. first church friend ever. <laughs> um, and then in the next episode, I'm going to have someone on from the five points church planting podcast. And I got connected with him through the society of reform podcasters, shameless plug. You should go check them out. Reformpodcasts.com. Fantastic. Doctrinally sound content from a reformed perspective. Great, great stuff happening there. Anyways. Um, And the third episode of this little mini-series is going to be with a friend of mine, Caleb Castro, who does um, Bavcast. Bavcast. Um, Bavcast. Bavcast. And he goes to Mid-America, and I will be attending Mid-America with him. And we got to know each other at – I visited the campus, and we got to know each other there. And he actually had time at the Bethel School – or not well, not Bethel School Supernatural Ministry. He had time at Bethel Church in Redding, California. Oh, Hogwarts. Not he. <laughs> correct me. It was not Hogwarts. It was just the uh, Bethel Church, which is basically Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, without the dump dopeness of Dumbledore. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so the second episode is going to be talking about like ecclesiological and pastoral issues because. Um, John St. Martin is a pastor. He came from yeah, good call. This, yeah, he came from <laughs> this kind of movement at the like towards the beginning of the movement. So it's going to be interesting to hear from him and concerns that he has just like as a pastor, how he like can lovingly care for other people and you know, like what's ecclesiologically wrong with the things that they do. And then the last one with Caleb is going to be about like what are the doctrinal issues like how do we tackle the nitty-gritty doctrinal issues so like one thing that i definitely hope that we will talk about is uh this idea of praying in the name of jesus and so obviously like christians are going to pray in the name 
of Jesus and pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Of course. Gonna, like, of course that's what's going to happen, but we'll talk about this in a second. There's a, like, huge emphasis on this, mm-hmm. and when, when I get Caleb on the show, we're going to spend, hopefully, a lot of time on that um, and kind of discuss, like, is this how we should be doing this? And also, like, what are some ways that we can talk to people? What's the best way to try to draw people out of this movement because i believe that this is a destructive movement it is not helpful for christians and so with all of that being said there's a bit of a drawn out info intro um i am joined as i said with a really good friend of mine his name is elijah uh he goes to moody bible institute i do i'm a senior theology major it's a good time yeah and <laughs> So this is our second run at this yes. because <laughs> the first time we recorded everything, it was pretty good. And we realized that the microphones were not plugged in to my computer. And so everything was recorded through the computer audio and it sounded terrible. So we took a break and we're jumping back at it. So if our voices are a little raspy, it's because when we get together, we just laugh. <laughs> Dude, it's it's a it's a problem, but a good it's one. It's a good problem to have. <laughs> Two guys just get together laughing. I I love spending time with Elijah. Mm. So I've got him on because, like I said, he's been a great friend. Um, I got saved going into my sophomore year. So I started visiting the youth group of this church my freshman year of high school right after I broke up with a girl. Oh, and man. it was tragic. I was so lonely and so, like, I show up, I don't know any of these people, because this church was, like, 20 minutes away from my house, so I don't know any of these people, and I didn't want to be there. Like, I just wanted to be at home smoking pot, honestly, and... Hey, so, that's, hey. that's a vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Not a good so, vibe, and no longer a vibe that any of us vibe, but a vibe, a vibe, nonetheless. nonetheless. Yes. <laughs> you can tell we're on the same wavelength right now. So, anyways... <laughs> He introduced himself to me. We got acquainted. We are, we became very good friends pretty quickly. Uh, we went to summer camp and you know, like room together. I guess short term yeah. mission trips too. Yeah, and so Lots of- and later in high school, like once we were able to drive, we would go to each other's houses and hang out and get that McGriddle get in the those- morning. Ooh. Oh man, I think our favorite time together, <laughs> besides like actually being at this church, was getting McGriddles in the morning before <laughs> church. <laughs> we would hype each other up so much. Oh my sausage egg and cheese McGriddles. Yo, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so but now good. they got that triple stack. It's back. It's the most insane. Listen, listen. We are not sponsored. By McDonald's, all right. But if but if McDonald's, if you want to sponsor this podcast, by sending us some McGriddles, you know, you know, we will eat McGriddles on air. This will I become will. an ASMR channel. <laughs> okay, don't say that. You're, you're going on this podcast. This is my podcast. This also will probably be cut out and put at the end. However, <laughs> I think I'm gonna leave it in there. It's fine. Oh no. <laughs> Anyways, so. You guys have heard a lot of my story um, and how I got involved in this church. And so I want to talk about like why I left this church. And so I thought it'd be great to have someone on who like we walked through the trenches together. We did a lot of just hanging out together and learned a lot of the same things. We, If you would have asked us like our senior year of high school, we were like lockstep, the same beliefs, everything like we would have told you the exact same thing and how the turns have tabled now he is a lutheran yeah and actually his freshman year of college well i you can 
tell the story yeah. of how everything changed. And so I, I was a little bit behind mm. him. I went to college and stayed in the kind of charismatic Pentecostal circle. I studied the Pentecostal stuff a little bit more before I ended up like rejecting it. So finally, <laughs> finally, seriously. So with that being said, um, just introduce yourself. Like, mm-hmm. how did you get involved in this old church of ours? And uh, like, what led you to being at the place of a Lutheran? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess to, to start at the beginning, I was born at a very young age, <laughs> as I say every time. Uh, my family went to um, what was then kind of a non-denom, like very loosely tied with a Southern Baptist uh, denomination yeah. church. And so, you know, I was there till I was five. That was back in Iowa. And then uh, we moved to Illinois. We started attending uh, the church that me and Kevin met at. Uh, my dad ended up uh, becoming a staff member there. He is um, currently in on, a leadership position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could say that. And then, um, you know, I, I senior after senior year, I went to Moody. Um, I went in a pastoral major, switched to theology, um, and that that switch was brought about at about the same time that I um, started, you know, interacting with the Reformation doctrines. Um, it, was, it was a very interesting shift for me. And what year was that? I'm curious. That was freshman year. Okay, yeah, because I came in pastoral ministry as well, mm-hmm. but I didn't switch to biblical studies and theology until sophomore year. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Kevin's always just been like one or two <laughs> semesters behind me. I'm, I'm holding out hope that he'll become uh, Anglican soon and then he'll become Lutheran, but <laughs> you never know with this one. a little bit <laughs> Well, no. So, so I, so to, to move along the story, I come, I come in, I, I start learning about, about history. Obviously, oh. <laughs> the Anglicans came after. Well, no, I know, but I, I'm talking about my church history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> yeah. He so, loves church history, so I like to pull his leg and try yeah. to correct him. And, anyway, yeah. Um, so, uh, freshman year, uh, a lot of the the guys that I roomed around uh, in the dorm. Uh, for those of you who don't know, who didn't go to Moody, um, in the dorms, it's freshman through senior. Uh, and so all the guys who were around me in the dorms were all seniors. And so I'm talking with these guys who actually know a thing or two about theology. <laughs> and I, I started to interact with, you know, Reformation doctrine, uh, monergism and the doctrines of grace. Um, and so that, you know, very quickly I, I kind of recognized, oh, you know, there's a lot of good stuff here. And so um, I was Reformed Baptist for about a minute. And then <laughs> uh, and then I... Um, was convinced by by one of my neighbors to go to his Anglican church, and I ended up becoming a member there. I've been there for I had been there for about two years, and then mm-hmm. um, just before the quarantine over winter break, I was really interested in in this Lutheran idea of uh, the sacraments, and so I started doing some reading. Trip fell in love, and <laughs> here we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so I you know confessionally i i hold to uh the oxford confession we we love the book of concord so <laughs> yeah 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 and i think you were telling me that you initially started to get introduced to calvinism your senior year of high school if i remember correctly you were at work at chick-fil-a mm-hmm. and you were talking with your coworker about what you believe and he was a bible college student i don't know where, at trinity at trinity yeah and he was a calvinist and mm-hmm. probably mildly cagey and yeah. <laughs> and, you know, just I mean, who like, isn't? <laughs> hey, have you heard about Calvinism? Because 
I think it's better than what you whatever you believe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, at, at that point, I I really didn't know much. I I kind of because I was very I did like philosophy, but I didn't know any philosophical things. Mm-hmm. Like looking back now, I can put categories to it, but I wouldn't have known them then. And so this idea of like free will, this enlightenment, you know, perspective on it and kind mm-hmm. of this Wesleyan um understanding of soteriology that was that was kind of what was bred into me just from my upbringing because mm-hmm. uh, at the church that we went to and um i'm sure at, at the vast majority of of the churches that we're going to be talking about it is kind of this synergistic uh very wesleyan um focus but kind of still off brand because it's not like, exactly wesleyan what's interesting is as I, as you're talking about that and i'm thinking about like some of the conversations i've had with the leadership after I've been a Reformed mm-hmm. Baptist and studied other, like, hermeneutical principles. Like, I took an advanced hermeneutics class, and we talked about, like, different kinds of um, criticisms. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, well, there's postmodernism, but then things like uh, reconstructionism mm-hmm. or deconstruction. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, I mean, we talked about all kinds of, like, postcolonial feminist criticism <laughs> was bananas. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, like, what really kind of sticks in my head when I look at the way that they understand their theology is they are Arminian in a sense and mainly Arminian. They try to hold to a classically Arminian understanding. And this isn't just our church. This is a lot of how like um, a a lot of other churches like the vineyard Mm -hmm. and well, the vineyard is known for uh, John Wimber holding, he would say that he held to the, the, the radical middle I, yeah and he so he would say that there's they're both right in some places and wrong in some places and so he would just go to the middle and Which I, I interestingly think, as a lutheran i would almost agree with that except i have a very very strong feeling that i would not agree with what he had to no say. no a lot of it i think is just kind of dodging the question yeah and i think you would be able to articulate mm-hmm. what you disagree with yeah. on both sides and i, I think we yeah. we agree more on points than you would with a Wesleyan Arminian. Yeah, I, and uh, and I mean we're we're both starting from a position of monergism. Mm-hmm. The the differences in the nuance yeah. and and especially you know where it's developing. Yeah, and so as I was saying, like the this whole movement is not just classical Wesleyan Arminianism. Mm-hmm. It is this historical deconstruction and then a reconstruction of what they want. Arminianism to be yeah um they take pieces of Arminianism and say yeah we like that we like mm-hmm. this way that we understand Arminianism um but they leave behind some of the other pieces yeah. and you know the ugly pieces or the the pieces that don't exactly fit what they're trying to do mm-hmm. is kind of left by the wayside which I mean I, th- I think it really fits into this idea that it is a almost uniquely American mm-hmm. Um, understanding of doing theology. Uh, it's it's this melting pot of different yeah. ideas and almost this picking and choosing. Now, obviously, that doesn't go for all of American mm-hmm. theology wholesale or all of American culture, but um, I, I think we can definitely see how it, it would come in a American context. Yeah. And I think it would be interesting to... I, I'm just speaking, like, thinking out loud at this point. Like, I think it would be interesting to see, like, this movement started, like, in the 60s. Like, Pentecostalism mm-hmm. started, like, the mid-1800s. Yeah. But this specific, uh, like, revivalism, word of faith type of movement started in the 60s, mm-hmm. um, primarily speaking. There's other people who came a little bit earlier, but 
that's just stuff that we don't need to yeah. talk about. But <laughs> I'd, I'd be interested to kind of see if there's a link between like postmodernism and the mm-hmm. growth of this movement and like uh, and the reintroduction of new age thought. Yeah, and, and yeah. So the the reason I bring up postmodernism is because deconstruction and historical deconstruction and all that ha- it is deeply tied to mm-hmm. postmodernism. And so that's <clears throat> just something that I'm thinking of right now. Yeah. Anyways, um, so we're going to talk a little bit about just our experience at this church. Again, Mm. I can't say this with more emphasis, not to slander the church. I don't want to be known as a guy slandering these people. I want to stay bold in the truth and stay firm in the truth and say, Mm. this is where I think these people are wrong. Not just this church, but a whole group of churches that are kind of going after the same thing. Yeah, this this is more a critique of ideas uh than it is a critique of people. Yeah. Um and we're you know, we're we're not trying to bash or slam dunk on anybody. We're mm-hmm. we're just trying to to look at these these teachings mm-hmm. and and understand them in light of what God has said and and yeah. what he's saying to us today in in holy scripture. Yeah, I think and so I think it would be helpful for both of us to well, for all the listeners, for us to both talk about the kind of history of this this particular church. It's only a little it's I mean closing in on thirty yeah. years old maybe. Like close it's close to. It, it's yeah, not, a little not, bit less than thirty years, I won't say. Not a super old church by mm-hmm. any means. But basically it started with just two guys who mm-hmm. I believe have MDivs. They started yeah. their they wanted to plant a church and it was mainly just evangelical non denom. I think one of the yeah. pastors is pretty at especially at this point is affiliated with the evangelical free church. Mm -hmm, Um, So it's for most of its early time, it was just your typical non-denominational church. And then um, I, at, you know, my sophomore year of high school, I joined. So this is what? Six years, seven, eight years ago, something like that. It was closing in on their 20th anniversary as a church, I believe. And one of the pastors ended up leaving, and so it shifted to all of the leadership from one guy instead mm-hmm. of the two. And at this point, they very quickly started taking a shift mm-hmm. towards this charismatic, um, definitely teaching like Arminian things. Uh, whereas before, it was like, yeah, the, the pastor was Arminian, but he wasn't going to like, yeah, say it from the stage or really like, yeah. Like he'd maybe yeah. teach things from an Ar- like he'd always phrase based- things in an Arminian way, yeah. but he wasn't out there trying to preach yeah. the Arminian way. Yeah. If that makes and sense, and so things just progressed in a way of lots of talk about the kingdom of God mm-hmm. and uh, lots of talk about partnering with the Holy Spirit and um, kingdom ministry, and which are not necessarily bad things or bad terms to use. It just <clears throat> means what you. It, it matters what you mean by yeah, and when you say these so things. The way that thing this mm-hmm. was used, and this is again, this is not just specific to this church. This is mm-hmm. the whole movement of yeah. way overemphasis on the kingdom of God, and we would call it an overrealized eschatology. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, throughout my high school, I was with the church doing this shift. And I'm trying to learn things and catch on to it as it's going. But one thing that I think both of us would agree on is this church didn't do a very good job at education yeah. uh, in any way. Yeah. They didn't like formally, you know, have like a strong 
doctrinal statement. They might have mm-hmm. something on the website, might have a few things posted here and there on like it, in the church building itself, but mm-hmm. not a whole strong like you wanted to become a member there wasn't a membership class yeah, there's no membership class yeah. or even necessarily a membership yeah right a title you, yeah. you don't become a member of this church it's mm-hmm. kind of you just either attend or don't mm-hmm. um and so um i get yeah so i ended up graduating high school and by means of i guess like osmosis like just <laughs> <laughs> like trying to soak up as much of this stuff this knowledge <laughs> as i could mm-hmm. just from being there so much and that's mm-hmm. kind of what it turned into right yeah the only way that you could get knowledge about this like what they believe mm-hmm. is literally just being around the church leadership so much yeah so i would be there like three or four times a week mm-hmm. and like part of it was because I was like a, a new Christian and I was just on fire and I wanted to get really rooted in a Christian community. And part of it was also like, I wanted, I wanted to learn about what they believed and they wouldn't say it outright. So I would just really try to be around pastors, youth pastors and like really pick their brains. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We hungered and thirsted yeah, for, yeah. for, for knowledge of God. Yeah, it's which, a natural thing for new believers exactly. to, to be doing. And mm-hmm. so, uh, I graduated and we both went to different schools. You went to Moody. I went to Olivet. And um, so you started getting a, a lot different of a perspective on things. <laughs> yeah. <And> the, <laughs> One could say <laughs> the Nazarene church has roots in the Pentecostal tradition. And so mm-hmm. I was getting like, I, like I, if I would have said something, it wasn't that big of a deal. It was just mm-hmm. kind of like I was, yeah, my tradition was charismatic and that's cool. Yeah. Just keep doing what you're doing. And that was about it. So I, d- I didn't think much about it. And then I had a friend who actually was like questioning what I believed. And I had never like had anyone like actually question like rigorously. Yeah. There'd be people in high school who'd say like, why do you believe in Jesus? And I just, and I mean, they didn't teach me how to evangelize. So I would just <laughs> say, well, I just love him. He's a cool guy. He changed my life. <laughs> He's which a cool is guy. True. He did change my life. He yeah. Gave me a new heart. And yeah. a common phrase we had back then is Jesus is dope, <laughs> which uh, I think you can <laughs> understand is probably not the, the best way no. to uh, base your Christology. It's right. Dopeness is not the uh, foremost attribute of God. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, eventually, to keep the long story short, I got uh, involved in learning about reformed doctrine and now i am confessionally a reformed baptist and so we would define after closely examining these things like i would define this movement as the word of faith movement now specifically what i mean by the word of faith movement is there's a large umbrella where it is you could kind of capture it all in a phrase name it and claim it Mm-hmm. And there are dozens of ways that this has worked out. Yeah. And so this movement that we got involved in, or this church that we were involved in, is just one expression of this whole like umbrella and catastrophe yeah. dumpster fire of theology. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's what it is. To, to put it frankly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just, just got to say it how it is. Uh, on like one side, there is Joel Osteen, who mm-hmm. he gets ragged on a lot. 
And I think for good reason, because he's not deep in theology at all, and he yeah. just makes you feel good, and he's the description of a a guy who is tickling your ears like First uh, Timothy 4, I believe, says. And, like, you know, he's not really going to tell you to name it and claim it like a guy like Kenneth Copeland or Benny Hinn will. Yeah. They will tell you to name your blessing and claim it. So if you sow a seed of blessing of $1,000, God will bless you for that, and he mm-hmm. will give you, you know, tenfold what you sow. And so these guys deceive people and uh, get them to just hand them money, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, and yeah. so that's the more financial, like, name it and claim it. But these guys also are involved in, like, faith healing. And mm-hmm. so that you just command something to be healed, and it's healed. Yeah. And then you get on to another side, where there is guys like Bill Johnson and mm-hmm. uh, Todd White. And Todd White recently has been connected with Kenneth Copeland, which is terrifying, yeah. because I think our youth group watched... We a, we did we watched a, a movie called Holy Ghost I believe it's something like that something yeah. something like that it's uh, Todd White mm-hmm. original um, <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah it was it was all about these you know faith healings um, as the old saying goes if mm-hmm. if Todd White's healing yeah he's probably actually just pulling your leg but <laughs> <laughs> but you know yeah, yeah it's, it's just all these things and. Um, I mean, I, I remember our experience where the first thing that we did after we watched this in our youth group is we tried. Yeah. And it, we were like, does anyone need to be healed? And so, of course, there's some athlete in the room who <laughs> busted his knee doing something <laughs> stupid or, you know, just some punk who like stubbed his toe really hard. Like, of course, a group full of teenagers, there's going to be a stupid boy who hurt himself. Mm-hmm. And or then, stupid girl. We're not here to judge. <laughs> Most of the time, the girls were a little more careful, though. <laughs> that that is fair. That is true. <laughs> to elevate them for a moment. Yes. <laughs> um, but in, in seriousness, though, we would try it, and, like, it would continue. Every youth group, every retreat, every mission trip, like, it turned into our form of evangelism. We would go, yeah. and instead of, like, knocking on doors and, like, well, part of that is because the Mormons ruined it for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know the Mormons. They just ruined evangelism. <laughs> well, you go, you, someone knocks on your door and you're like, ugh, freaking Mormon. <laughs> From what I understand, it used to be a pretty normal thing, but I yeah. haven't lived through it because... Yeah. Different times. Yeah. Anyways, uh, the <laughs> I'm trying to make you laugh. <laughs> uh, let's see. So, yeah, this last branch of Mm -hmm. – there's probably a couple others that people might make. But this last branch of, like, the word of faith is focused on healing and physical Mm -hmm. healing. And it's um, a lot of emphasis on the kingdom of God and kingdom living, kingdom Mm -hmm. this, kingdom that. And so uh, it's all about, like, partnering with the Holy Spirit and – if you, I remember distinctly like learning about uh, or trying to learn about like how do you heal someone? And you would just name whatever the, you would call out the mm-hmm. ailment. So say like your arm is broken or not working correctly. And I would just call out like, okay, uh, arm 
be healed yeah. in the name of Jesus. And mm-hmm. uh, what I think we'll talk about in the name of Jesus in a little bit more depth when Caleb comes on the show. Yeah. But like, it was just basically like a genie, like trying to yeah. invoke a name for the sake of, I want this to work. And if I call yeah. on Jesus, it should work. Mm-hmm. So uh, that those are kind of like the three areas of the word of faith where you either name it and claim it for yourself, for your own prosperity, like Joel Osteen, you name and claim like the power of I am, I think is what Osteen is known for, kind of like, wow. I am rich, I am uh, healthy, I am uh, yeah. I, I am influential, things like that. And then uh, the more bold guys like Kenneth Copeland and uh, Benny Hinn are just name and claim your blessing. You'll be rich and wealthy and healthy and then there's other guys who are more in the ooey gooey mystical kind of camp of like we're just naming and claiming healing Mm -hmm. and so the reason for this last branch as far as i can tell is because of we've already said an over-realized eschatology Mm mm-hmm so, how would you explain this overrealized eschatology? Yeah, and so I, th- I think part of it has to do with, um, you know, when you're looking at the history of Christianity in the United States, um, you have in the in the early 20th century uh, the social gospel, and I th- and and it's you know just kind of the the normal the the natural conclusion of modern thought invading uh, theology, and it's this idea that um, you know. Through Christianity, through through the church comes the kingdom of God, um, and so it's this idea that that we are almost bringing the kingdom here, mm-hmm. um, and that things will you know continue to get better until Christ's return, um, where where heaven and earth kiss, and and out of that comes um, everything else. Now, this isn't necessarily um, what is going on here, although I think it's heavily influenced by it, mm-hmm. um, somewhat even unknowingly. Um, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd say within the word of faith camp, uh, within the health and wealth, uh, theology, there is kind of this idea of, um, we have to, uh, through our faith. So that's the word of faith, uh, through our faith, we bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Um, and so it's kind of this idea of, of, uh, it's, it's, almost looking forward to the new heavens and new earth, but it's trying to, to take this new heaven and new earth, which is coming mm-hmm. and have, have it instead of being in the future tense, be in the present tense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's very focused around that blessing, that benefit that we as believers uh, receive. And it's less concerned about mm-hmm. um, what we have to look forward to yeah, the, the hope going into the future. It's an overemphasis on the inaugurated eschatology. Mm-hmm. And so any eschatological system or major eschatological system yeah. is going to have some degree of the inaugurated eschatology, yeah. which is the kingdom is here, but it's not here in its fullness. Mm-hmm. And so whether you're a premillennial, amillennial or postmillennial, you're going to believe that. Mm-hmm. How it's to worked some extent, out. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be a little bit different based on when you think the millennium is and how all mm-hmm. the, how you interpret all that. Um, but it was this major emphasis that the kingdom is here, and 
yeah, it's not yet here, but like it's here. Mm-hmm. You know, that was kind of yeah. how And you can make it here. And I think that's the yeah. key. Because, um, you know, coming from a Lutheran perspective, the, the only places where heaven meets earth in in the right now is um, in the in the mystery of faith. So whenever Christ is present, either in the Eucharist or when we are united with him in baptism, when um, the Holy Spirit uh, illumines and um, inspires the word of God for us, perseveres us, those are moments when um, the supernatural is present in the natural. Um, but as far as, you know, when the kingdom is coming to earth, we're, we're always going to point to Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's uh, the natural uh, reforma- reformation reading of uh, the book of Matthew mm-hmm. is Christ being the the true Israel, the the uh, fulfillment of Israel comes near, uh, mm-hmm. comes to earth as perfect. He is the perfect union of God and man. Um, and whereas you know the typical Jewish hearer of the kingdom of heaven is near would think right. that a new Israel, a new national physical Israel is going to be mm-hmm. established under uh, Jesus's yeah. reign. And instead, we have an even greater Israel, who is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the true Israel, <laughs> Jesus right. is the true Israel and and we get to participate in Him, who is the true Israel, uh, through true faith in Him. Yeah, and so one of the problems that I would point to is just that, like, like you were saying, like the Jewish audience knew what Jesus was talking about when mm-hmm. he said the kingdom of heaven is here, like. They knew he was talking about uh, the Messiah. He said, mm-hmm. like, he was, without saying the words, he was saying, I am the Messiah. I am mm-hmm. the hoped-for coming king to restore the nation of Israel. And he's not doing what they were expecting him to do, which is to overthrow the Roman Empire. <laughs> um, but they knew what he meant. Mm-hmm. Whereas with where we're at right now, and especially with the people that are uh, ministered to or involved in this movement, ha- they've got no idea what kingdom of God means, what it would have meant in its original context to the Jewish audience, mm-hmm. primarily Jewish audience. Um, and a lot of the, I mean, a lot of the Gentiles would have known they would have, I mean, their thought is interconnected. Like they're, yeah. I mean, a Gentile isn't going to think exactly like a Jew is and a Jew is not going to think exactly like a Gentile is, but they mm-hmm. like, they're part of the same culture. They live together. They like, no, they heard the same things. They, Mm -hmm. they heard about it. And so when the Gentiles hear about this, they're going to, at least to some extent, understand. Yeah. When someone says the kingdom of coming, uh, the kingdom is coming. When someone Mm -hmm. says the the king is born, Mm -hmm. you know, Herod's always going to think there is a new person who is coming here to Mm -hmm. reign physically, temporally over the space. Mm -hmm. Um, And there, there is perhaps a little bit of a different understanding from the Roman perspective that the son of God, Herod saw himself as the son of God. Yeah. Literally. Mm -hmm. And so when he hears about that, he (laughs) thinks of it as, Oh shoot, this guy's trying to steal my throne. Yeah. Uh, And so it, yeah, it was a political thing, but it was also a very religious thing Mm -hmm. for the Jews. So with that um, there, I would say there's a flawed misunderstanding, a misrepresentation of what the kingdom is. And the problem is they don't describe what the kingdom is. (laughs) They use so many words to describe nothing. Yeah. It's, it, it is a very vague thing. And I think, I think 
for some of you who might be listening and saying, well, they're just using the word kingdom differently. I, I think there, there also has to be this underlying understanding. And I, we talked about this in our first run. I don't know if we mentioned it in our second, but there's um, a, a distinction in this movement between the gospel of the cross mm. and the gospel of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so this is why it, it actually matters a lot when we talk about what, what does it mean when we're talking about the kingdom? Uh, because within the, the, the word of faith movement, you do have a distinction between uh, the gospel of the cross, which is for salvation, um, which they would kind of say is, you know, the small scale gospel, and then uh, the big picture gospel, uh, which is the gospel of the kingdom. Um, yeah, and so and so if you're sitting at home or mm-hmm. on the train or on your way to work, and you're, you're wondering what does this matter, um, or how how is this that big of a deal? understand that that we're talking about a, a gospel-centric issue here yeah uh, this yeah. for them is the gospel yeah this is not a um this is not just a minor secondary disagreement this is serious stuff this is uh if it's another gospel yeah it's not and so the way that i've heard it explained is that the gospel of the cross is the doorway into the house, which is the gospel of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so when you, you know, the the cross is important. You want to talk about that. But if you just focus on the cross, you're going to lose the richness and the depth of the, the whole life of the kingdom, of, you know, partnering with the Holy Spirit and mm-hmm. um, doing kingdom ministry and loving people with a kingdom mindset. And so... We get, like, where these people get this is not just an arbitrary, like, hearing Jesus talk about the kingdom of God a lot. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, there's tons and tons and tons of places throughout the Gospels and even in Acts and the the epistles that mention the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the uh, Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, yeah. where it is, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's where it stops for this movement. Mm-hmm. Um, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses if we have forgiven those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the power and glory forever. The king- the kingdom, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And the glory Sorry. I was telling Elijah, <laughs> I, for, I had not learned that part because I grew up Catholic and that just wasn't part of how we learned it in the Catholic church. Um, But anyways, so the rest of it, which is the majority of it is left out Yeah, because the point of emphasis is we as Christians pray down the kingdom. We want, like when we pray, we get to see the will of God done. That's what the kingdom is. It's God's Mm -hmm. will being done on earth. And uh, so when you partner with the Holy spirit and you like pray the kingdom down, mm-hmm. you are helping God do his will on yeah. earth. And and I think furthermore, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier, um, it, it also comes to an issue of Christology as well for, for people within this movement because we need to imitate Christ and be Christ-like. And because Christ healed people, we also have to heal people. We have to be in search of that healing um, because to heal, to... 
uh, do these miraculous signs and wonders is to be like Christ. And mm-hmm. so, which, which also comes with the negative um, assumption that is, if you do not do these miraculous signs and wonders, you mm-hmm. are not being Christ-like, which I think is oftentimes under, you know, it's, it's not mentioned as much, but there yeah. definitely is that secondary tier. There's it's people impl- who don't, yeah, it's, it's the implication. There's people who don't experience or put forth yeah. these, these spiritual experiences, which everybody's chasing after. Yeah. And those people are second class yeah. Christians, which it's, is it. It's just there out of logical necessity. It's yeah. not ever said that way, mm-hmm. but if you are going to kind of push for the idea whether you, you know, say it straightforward or imply it that praying for healing and prophesying and speaking in tongues and things like that are what make you a good Christian for Mm -hmm. partaking in the things of the Holy Spirit, then it's just out of logical necessity and implication that if you're not doing those things, then you're less of a Christian. Yeah. And so it's this mind-boggling, like, always trying to do better and there's no like real powerful reason for it other than like i just want to be a good christian yeah and if i don't do these things then i like this is what i like if i don't do it i'm not going to be the best christian yeah i need to i want to be like the early church mm -hmm. and and that's another area is that they just talk about you know well this is what the early church did the x2 church the x2 church yeah (laughs) Speaking yeah. of Acts 2 church, <laughs> we, in high school, oh gosh, you thought I was going to forget and not mention I was it. Hoping. <laughs> uh, we had a Bible study and. Let, let me just preface this with bad theology hurts people. It does. And, it and really when, does. And when all you are taught is bad theology, you will. And, and if you hold on to and and confess bad theology you will end up hurting people and i think that's something that me and both kevin and i sorry to be grammatically correct um both kevin and i have have really had to come to terms with especially in understanding and and hearing the law rightfully preached is Mm -hmm. is um there there were a lot of places where we went where we should not have gone Mm -hmm. and um what what Kevin's about to talk about yeah. is one of those yeah. big big problems. So we because of this had this idea that like, well we didn't have a, a strong ecclesiology. We didn't really know like strong what, is is a, a generous way of putting. It. We did not have any ecclesiology. Yeah. <laughs> it was the the people of God, the people who believe in Jesus, where two or three are gathered. Yes, <laughs> which is a horrible horrible misunderstanding and misapplication of that verse yes um (laughs) and so we would just have this understanding okay well there's more than two or three of us and we are all believers and we're gathered so we are the church uh we don't need to worry about calling ourselves a church or like distinguishing ourselves we're just the church we're just doing the church things and so we would get together with some other high school people and pray together and things like that and i guess kind of wholesome and kind of out of good sincerity yeah uh, it was, it was good intentions. it was out of a, a a real fervor for for christ um and we we wanted to be faithful in what we were talking about but i mm-hmm. think we also were just s- severely lacking in understanding yeah. how to best put that into practice and we were extremely i would say unfortunately damaging to people at some mm-hmm. points because oh. we would you know if someone was 
like sick or hurt, we would pray for them. And I, I remember there was one person in particular who had an issue with her knee and I don't know if she's had any relief or if the doctors have found anything at this point, I, I just don't know. But mm-hmm. I remember when we would hang out as a group, like we would try to pray for her. And I, I remember one time specifically we were trying to pray for her and her healing and it just wasn't working. And she just broke down, you know, weeping because mm-hmm. people have tried to heal her and like the, the top leadership of this church tried to pray for her healing and it wouldn't mm-hmm. work. And so she had this understanding that just like, almost like God didn't like her and didn't mm-hmm. want her to be healed mm-hmm. or like he was holding something back from her and she was trying her best. And like we, like my understanding was, okay, well maybe there's some type of sin in her life yeah. that maybe she just doesn't have enough faith. Yeah. Or she, you know, she's not pure Mm-hmm. And so God isn't willing to heal her because she has a sin that she needs to repent of. You know, yeah. and we we would also, we had this understanding that like sometimes sin would manifest itself in physical ailments. Yeah. And a very medieval way of looking at things, by the way. Yeah. It's just not, <laughs> I, I don't see that anywhere in scripture. And um, so if that didn't work, then we would pull it back on ourselves and say, okay, well, mm-hmm. she's repented of all the sins that she knows of she has faith in Christ. Maybe it's something that I'm doing wrong. What if I don't have enough faith? What if there's sin that I'm not dealing with? Mm -hmm. And instead of us just being simple and just simply going to the cross and saying, God, whatever your will is, it's, it seems that your will is not to heal her. We don't know why, but we trust that your Mm -hmm. will is better than ours. Instead of that, we would say, there's something wrong with us. Because God's will is always to heal. Yeah. And 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 I think that it really, you know, shines a light on the, in the heart of the problem, which is that this idea of the gospel of the kingdom mm-hmm. is um, a confusion of law and gospel. Mm-hmm. Because whenever um, you are not able to do one of these spiritual acts and, and do these, um, you know, these sign gifts of these wonderful things, um, which we would, I think, rightfully and in the spirit of the Reformation, say that whenever someone is healed by God, it is an act of grace. Mm-hmm. It is it is something that is monergistic, mm-hmm. um, and that all of the healing that we see in the New Testament by Jesus Christ is an act of grace, <laughs> and it's imaging the true healing that comes on the cross. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. One place that I actually love to point to that I hadn't thought of while we were preparing for this. Um, but I was reading it earlier this year and just absolutely love it. It's, um, in Matthew chapter 11. Uh, if I could get there quick enough, <laughs> he's, he's taken his sweet time. Wasn't thinking about this. So, uh, in chapter 10, Jesus sends out his, uh, I think it was a 70. Mm-hmm. He sends out the 12 and then, no, maybe it's not the 70. I'm thinking of the other place. I think somewhere in Mark where he sends out okay. the 70. I don't. Anyways. Jesus it's sends it's out late, his, guys. It, it, <laughs> it is, is slipping our minds. It but. is 1130. <laughs> uh, so anyways, he sends out his disciples, tells them to go to these cities, preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't bring anything with them. If they reject, shake the dust off your feet. Yep. And they come back. And then Jesus 
starts to denounce these cities. And Matthew 11, verse 20 says, Then he began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles were done. Why is this? Because they didn't repent. So there's, it's, again, not something that is directly said, but out of logical necessity and implication, what was the purpose of his miracles? It was not just to show off and flex his muscles that he's God, Mm -hmm. but it's to specifically point back to him and cause them to repent. And so when they harden themselves at these miracles, they're only furthering their own condemnation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's something that is totally missed in this whole movement that like, if a miracle isn't done, it's not that people are just wicked and hard hearted and stubborn Mm -hmm. and, it's God's will to bring people to repentance at his own mercy, his yeah. own timing. But rather it is, there's something uh, wrong with us. God mm-hmm. is displeased with us in some way. Uh, some type of really horrific implication about who God is. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I would say about any heresy or any false teaching is that it's just a fundamental misunderstanding of who God is. Yeah. And so in particular, I think that this movement, uh, like you were saying, gets Christ wrong. Yeah. So where do you think that they get Christ wrong? Um, well, that is, that's a big question. Um, (laughs) I I think specifically a a place where, where they really struggle, um, with Christ is in the reformation understanding of his threefold office, prophet, priest, and king. Mm-hmm. Um, and They get the king right, they, and they love that. They, they get the king kind of right. The problem is that... They get the title right. Yeah, they, they get the title right. <laughs> um, what, what they mean when they say king is a little different. But I think um, going even further than that, understand it's, it's their understanding of revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, For because, some of them, it's ongoing. We still are getting revelation yes. today. And, and, and I think that's, that's a part that, that often goes unnoticed, is um, where you see these you know, health and wealth things are also receiving new revelations. Mm-hmm. Um, there's new prophecies coming in at what is going to happen in the church in America and who's going to be the next president. If you look at the white nationalism stuff that's that was just going on in Washington a few days ago, people were talking about how in the name of Jesus, Trump was going to be the next president. And I mean, we're not trying to get did political you see here. Pa- did you see Paula White? I the, did not. Okay. So like, I think it was election day. I'll show you some of these videos later because they are <laughs> hilarious. Twitter yeah. blew up. Yeah. There's this video of her just trying to proclaim that. You know what? Trump I did will, see that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Trump will be president in the name of Jesus. And she starts going off speaking in mm-hmm. tongues or whatever. And But people took one of Eminem's songs. No. <laughs> and they put a cat in the video. Yeah. Wild. Funniest oh thing I've seen. Gosh. They didn't put the words of his song, yeah. but they just underlaid the, the beat. Yeah. And oh um, my gosh. one of the funniest things I've seen yeah. because it's this cat like just bopping along. <laughs> and and yeah. yeah. But she's claiming like, you know, in the name of Jesus. And she's also yeah. Trump's spiritual advisor, well, which is which horrifying. Is, yeah. And telling of the spiritual 
nature of our country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways. Yeah. To, it's to, clearly to, not working. Yeah. It's, it's clearly not. It's a, it's a clear misunderstanding yeah. of revelation yeah. and understanding that all of revelation, you know, we call scripture the word of God. Mm-hmm. Um both because it is the words God speaks uh-huh. to us with, but also because it is revealing the word of God, who is Jesus Christ. When we say word of God, we're talking about Jesus Christ. We're not, first and foremost, talking about scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is something that really undercuts a lot of uh, issues that's coming up with the the talk about inerrancy uh, today is, you know, because of the problems that we're facing, a lot of the times when we talk about the Word of God and inerrancy, our very first thing is to try to find Scripture as this basis for objective fact. And wh- while Scripture is uh, objectively true, it is objectively true because it is revealing Jesus Christ, who is truth. Mm-hmm. And so we always have to keep that in our center of focus, um, understanding that it is according to Scripture— um, that Jesus is revealed to us and that we know God and are known by God. Um, and so seeing scripture as this means of grace, which is, you know, a, a Lutheran and I guess to some extent reformed way of looking at, at things. It's, uh, scripture is a means of grace by which we receive Jesus Christ. And so, um, and this is obviously happening through the ministry of the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit as he inspires and illumines, uh, mm-hmm. scripture for us. And so it's, it's very, you know that that is a very deep-seated and deeply rooted issue that that I think us coming from a more confessional understanding would have with this word of faith movement is um, all of a sudden Scripture's main focus is a law book. It is not revealing the mystery um, who is Jesus Christ. Uh, it is not revealing this gospel of salvation, this good news, this mm-hmm. grace from God that is acting on us despite our lack of merit mm-hmm. um it instead for them it is just a, a a rule book a um a way of understanding how to do the christian life um and it kind of gets back to this idea of you know living the gospel versus mm. proclaiming it and yeah. um what when the gospel is law you are fundamentally missing the point. Yeah. And I think I think that is something that's really, really dangerous, mm-hmm. at least doctrinally, especially when we recognize that orthopraxy, right practice, stems from orthodoxy, mm-hmm. um, right doctrine. Uh, our ontology dictates our economy. What we are, who we are, dictates what we do mm-hmm. and how we do it. Um, and so I think that's one of the biggest problems that we see here is, is this lack of refined Christology and kind of this straying away from, uh, you know, Chalcedon and, and a, and a good understanding of what scripture teaches. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> so I think like with, with all of that being said, that's a lot to <laughs> understand. Yeah, sorry for the monologue guys. No, 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 no. <laughs> Not just, you, just everything we have talked about, um, has been, like it's a lot to kind of wrap your mind around, which is why we're going to do a couple episodes talking about the different areas of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I want to end with a little bit of like, well, what do we do about this? And so like we've mentioned, there's this huge emphasis on gospel of the kingdom healing and um, the best way because, and so 
as we've said that there's this misunderstanding of theology proper, misunderstanding who Christ <laughs> is, these people love Jesus, and mm-hmm. if they're not worshiping the Jesus of Scripture, they love the idea of yeah. Jesus. They, I, I think in their hearts, um, they do love Jesus Christ and have faith in him. Um, I think there's some at, at least the, the vast majority of the yeah. laity, um, and they are being uh, led away from mm-hmm. the, the truth that that they know is real. There, there are real Christians. I mean, we, we were them. Mm-hmm. We're, uh, we were, yeah, I don't buy by, by God's grace yeah. brought to faith. And yet it was only our hunger for Christ and by the power and grace of the Holy spirit yeah. that, that we were, you know, persevered unto good doctrine. I don't, yeah, I don't by any means question my salvation <laughs> yeah. while I was a part of that movement. Mm-hmm. I think of it as actually like a really gracious period that, that Christ like, put me through that because it was a refining fire uh, mm-hmm. where now I can look back and I've got that experience under my belt and I know what not to do. Yeah. It <laughs> uh, is only because of this that I understand how much bad theology hurts people. Yeah, for sure. And um, so there's this deep love and desire and sincerity towards Jesus. And so we would both agree that the best way from my understanding is like to communicate with these people, like what's wrong with what they're believing is to start with Christ. And I think we would probably say that about any other person that we're evangelizing (laughs) to and, you know, think that is deceived. It's always starting with Christ. But these people in particular, um, when you really hone in on Christ and really hone in on the character of who he is and the purpose of his ministry on earth, um, a lot of things start to click yeah. into place and they start to realize, I agree with what you're saying. Why isn't that what, and mm-hmm. why isn't that what this church or this movement has been teaching me? And yeah. also I don't just agree with what you're saying. Cause it makes sense. I agree with you because I have read that in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know how to put that into, into words. words. Yeah. You know? Um, so that I would say is probably the best place to start. Um, yeah. Again, the the Lutheran enemy has to say the means of grace, the right preaching mm-hmm. of the word, is what Scripture says. You know, how can they know but by hearing? Um, mm-hmm. And so, we, in order for Christ to be revealed, uh, we do have to preach the word that they may hear. That's why it's such a big part of the Reformation. Mm-hmm. Is is you know Luther, Calvin, they're they're honing in on these ideas. Uh, we must preach the word and preach the word aright. Um, in order that they may know Christ and be known mm-hmm. by him. We we only understand our union with Christ. But we also need to be really careful. We, yeah. Sorry, I cut you off. But no, you're good. <laughs> we need to be really careful as well that we don't just embrace this teaching mm-hmm. or these teachings as just another group of Orthodox teaching. Um, mm-hmm. They are not teaching the same Christ of Scripture. Yeah. Mostly. Um, yeah, at, at least so, in, in, in the broader sense of the word of faith, when, when we're looking yeah. at guys like, you know, Kenneth yeah. Copeland, yeah. Benny Hinn, Todd that kind White, of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Bill Johnson, like, definitely, they are not teaching Christ of Scripture. Yeah. And for other reasons, like the canonic heresy that mm-hmm. Christ just gave up his divinity yeah. completely. <laughs> yeah, a, know, a pretty significant issue if you're yeah. uh, aware of the Council of Chalcedon. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and, and so, in Galatians 
chapter one, verse eight. I believe. I think you've got it's right there. It. Hang yeah. on, <laughs> got it pulled up. What translation is this? It's ESV. ESV. Sick. Uh, but even if we or an angel, this is Paul. Uh, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one preached to you, let him be accursed. Anathema. Anathema. Yeah, yeah. And so you know when you hear people making a distinction between mm-hmm. the gospel of the cross and the gospel of the kingdom. And if you're wondering which one is is the true gospel, remember it was Paul in Romans one sixteen who says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, mm-hmm. for it is the power of salvation mm-hmm. for all those who believe, first the Jew mm-hmm. and then the Greek. And and that is, even in this word of faith movement, a recognition of the gospel of the cross, which we would say is what both the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of the cross are. But if you're if you're sitting there trying to decide between, you know, Reformation teaching and this word of faith movement, uh, recognize that, that you cannot have two gospels. You can only have one. One yeah. faith, one Lord, one baptism. <laughs> yeah. And and even like when when he's when Paul is referring to the, the gospel that is preached to them, he's specifically talking about Christ and him crucified. So in uh first Corinthians yeah. chapter one uh, 22 and 23, he says, For indeed Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. And then in verse 24, he says, But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so everything that, like the, the fundamental of this gospel of the kingdom is Christ and him crucified. Yes. And if we don't get that right, if that is not the center and everything that we are focused on, mm-hmm. the cross, then we're missing it. If yep. we're so focused on the kingdom, you've you've missed the cross. You've missed the point of Christ coming. Yeah. So, with all of that being said, a little bit of a long episode, but I'm really glad that I was able to have you on the show and talk about this. This is stuff that I really care about and I don't like to see people deceived by the same things that I was deceived by. And um, if you've got any questions, if there's anything that I said or Elijah said that maybe confused you or you want more clarity, more like you want me to talk about it a little bit more, kind of unpack what I said, reach out to me, Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. uh, You can reach me over email, however you want to get in contact with me. I would love to try to clarify any questions and keep talking about this because it's super important. This mm-hmm. is probably the biggest movement that I can see that is leading people astray from the gospel of Christ. Yeah. So with all of that being said, until next time, read your Bible, bro. Read your Bible. Thanks for listening to this episode of Christ in Context. If you enjoyed the episode, give us a rating and a review through Apple Podcasts or whatever streaming app you use to listen and subscribe to be notified when new content is posted. You can find us on social media on Facebook and Instagram at Christ in Context Pod and Twitter at CNC Podcast. If you have a question that you would like to hear answered on the show, reach out on social media or email us at ChristInContextPod at gmail.com. We are proud members of the Society of Reformed Podcasters and Doctrinal Discipleship. For other edifying material, check out reformpodcasts.com and Doctrinal Discipleship either on Facebook or doctrinaldiscipleship.com.